Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And once again, welcome to the Back of the Range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 228. My guest on this episode is Jackson Suber. He is currently in his senior season at Ole Miss, where the team just finished up their strongest fall season in years. They pulled off a clean sweep at the White Sands Collegiate in the Bahamas, team title for the Rebels, and individual title for Jackson. Jackson, like myself, is a native Floridian, so we had a lot of fun talking about his start in the game in Tampa at his home club of Palmasia. We spoke about his experience at Ole Miss, what led him there, and we also talked about the PGA Tour ranking system, where he is currently ranked 8th, and how he plans to take advantage of that opportunity when he someday makes the jump into professional golf. Also, Jackson and I decided to invite listeners to submit some questions via Instagram, Several of those questions found their way into this episode. So after you're done listening, if you hear your name and your question that was posed to Jackson, shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will send you some free merch from the back of the range. Let's get started. Jackson, you're at the back of the range. How are you? Doing great. Appreciate you uh, stopping by. I know we've uh, seen each other at several tournaments throughout the well, throughout the years, uh, bouncing around places like Jones Cup, where I will see you again next year in February, uh, we are trying to keep our minds occupy, occupied during this uh, off season. So uh, we just came off of a really good fall with uh, with the Rebels. How are you? Um, first of all, how are you keeping sane without any more tournaments to play in? Um, you know, what are your plans the rest of the year? Just playing golf at home, trying to get better, and uh, playing with friends at Palmasia and and some warm weather down here. This is the best time to play, so you gotta you gotta take the opportunity down here. You're uh, you're trying to just alienate yourself from all the listeners right away. Love it right off the bat by saying I I'm in South Florida. Not well, I'm in Florida. I'm in the Tampa area playing golf at the time where everyone is trying to get the hell out of the snow. And you're just throwing that out there in the first three minutes of the episode <laughs> saying, I play golf every day in Florida. That's it's a bold play, Jackson. Let's see if it works out for you. Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, so we're we're gonna talk a little bit about your, your college career. You're you're a senior at Ole Miss. Um, you know, a lot of the players that I've seen throughout the fall season, especially these last couple of tournaments, I heard a lot of I guess a lot of um, you know comments about I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of burnt out I'm kind of tired I think a lot of people were coming off of that uh, really busy 21 season and uh, you pick up a win in your very last tournament of the fall uh, at White Sands in in the Bahamas so we'll talk a little bit about that tournament but how have you kind of felt this last month coming into the final you know couple tournaments. How do you fight off the fatigue? How do you fight off just kind of the burnout? Did you experience any of that? Not particularly. I, I knew that I was going to take some, uh, at least a, a week or two off at, right after the Bahamas. So kind of still had the motivation to work hard and stuff and uh, knew that there was a break ahead of me and that I would have some time off and try to give it up my all with my team for the last two couple events. So do you change up, and I guess this is something immediately that could be a takeaway for people listening, when you know you're kind of getting to the end of a season, uh, a string of tournaments, a string of rounds that you're playing, 
do you kind of change up any sort of maybe practice habits to maybe not tax your body as much or, or just kind of keep things light? Do you change anything going into the end as opposed to maybe starting a season? No, I mean, just maybe try to play a little more. Okay. Because not trying to change anything with your swing or anything dramatic like that. Just kind of keeping your mind fresh and playing golf and staying ready. We'll talk about, you know, what led you to Ole Miss, but I'm guessing this is something that comes from the top down. It's not just you as a player or you and your teammates trying to decide how do we, you know, how do we kind of close this season out. But your coach at Ole Miss, uh, you know, talking about what Coach Malloy uh, does to try and keep things light with the team, knowing that everyone's kind of, you know, not running on fumes, but the gas tank is certainly not on, uh, you know, you're not three quarters or, or full tank at this point. Yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, Dirt. In the in the fall, he gave us some uh, some time to go to the football games too, and gave us some days off there, and then kind of let us reset our mind in between tournaments. And then we worked pretty hard in the week leading up to it, and uh, get our work done before we got there and be ready to play. Now I know you have one more tournament in twenty twenty one. We will talk about that a little bit later. But as we've already mentioned, uh, you know you're in South Florida right now, and and it's so nice. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't get a lot of them on the podcast. Normally, it's just me being a you're you're a native Floridian, aren't you? You you bragged to everyone else, but now you can't brag. I love it. I'm like cool. The same same dream. I know. I'm gonna basically just like diffuse and push all of that that attention that I get for being oh, the Florida guy. Great. I'm just gonna push that over on you, and we can just shoulder equal weight of this during the episode. You're a native Floridian. Now you grew up in in uh, in tampa so you get a little bit of the colder weather you don't get as much of the re- the ridiculousness that, that i get here on the southeast coast but uh tampa florida i guess the, the, i mean my typical question of how you get into the game of golf that's kind of out the window right now how do you not get into the game of golf when you're a native floridian <laughs> yeah there's a lot there's a lot of options and the weather's <laughs> perfect so uh there's really no reason to not play now, a recreationally lot. or or competitively yeah exactly so uh, i'm guessing the parents uh friends i mean give me a little bit about uh you know childhood golf uh getting you know in uh in florida for you uh yeah my dad played and i think i started to play when i was six or seven i just do like a clinic up at my uh, club and then i started doing like lessons with three other kids and we'd ride around with the uh, with the pro and hit play holes and hit balls on the range and kind of made it fun. And then just started to get more and more into it competitively as I went on and more serious about it. So typically, yeah. So this is like the typical start for a kid growing up in Florida. Um, you know, you're, you know, obviously fortunate to be a member of a place like Palmasia, which is, has so much history at that place, especially when we talk, what we're going to talk about the fantastic uh, tournament there that's, that's held every uh, every year, the Gasparilla, but it, it's such a great environment to obviously play along with friends at the club, and you do the junior clinics, and then maybe we do the little junior tournaments. And you know, I'm I'm always curious when when did it become just something you did with your buddies? Because you can go play little league and you can go play basketball and other sports, but when did it turn into something that? A, you, you were getting good at, and then B, also you enjoy the competitive aspect of it as well. I think kind of kind of right on the verge of high school, age seventh grade, was when I started to realize that I could maybe play at a, at a D1 
college school and even maybe in the SEC. And that was kind of it. Was, it took some time to realize, but eventually figured it out and kind of just kept trying for those goals. Tell me about Henry B. Plant High School, public high school in really kind of an a, you know, old school Tampa area. I mean, it's been around since 1927, lots of, lots of history there. Uh, tell me about high school golf. Yeah, we had a we had a good team yeah. pretty much every year we were there. My freshman year, I think we got third in states, and then we got second in states my second year, and then fortunate enough to win my uh, junior year with my brother on the team too. Nice. He uh, he plays golf at Troy. He's a sophomore there, and um, that was a really cool experience. And we had some players like Robbie Ice. Gunnar Rainey, Brad White, some people that just paved the way. We had kind of had a playing golf dynasty for a little bit. How now? Now looking back at it, and this is kind of something that typically, you know, it's you know, you have a lot of elite players that have been on the podcast, and you know whether they've gone to a, a private school or they've gone to a maybe more of an academy, um, or golf really wasn't you know a big sport at their high school where they were kind of outliers. Maybe they didn't have a strong team behind them, and they just were okay. That's the golf stud, and he's going to move on. And and you know, nice when he was here, but now he's gone. You actually have been in a really solid and successful team environment for quite some time. How much do you think that helped you as you moved on to Ole Miss to look back and say, okay, I I've been on a successful golf team. I I kind of know what to expect when I when I go to an SEC school. I wasn't near the best player when I first got there. Um, and so <laughs> kind of, it wasn't, wasn't easy. Right. Still had to, I mean, it's pretty nervous my freshman year trying <laughs> out. <laughs> I think I was more nervous in, uh, in a high school golf freshman year than any other time I can think of in competitive golf. Really interesting. <laughs> uh, so, but it, it, which was good. You learn how to deal with those nerves because even if they're different, a lot less important scenario, you still have them. So you're saying a little more nerves trying to make that high school team as opposed to going into an SE school like Ole Miss. <laughs> Maybe at that time. I right. Hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't got as comfortable with my golf game and figured out how to deal with those kind of things yet. So Paul Messia, that's where you kind of cut your teeth. That's where you learn the game. And, and this is just an incredible uh, facility I guess now everyone thinks, you know, you got to hit it far. You got to bomb it. It's, it's, you know, that's the style of golf that seems to, uh, you know, dominate the headlines. And, and I, obviously when people think of college golfers, they think of them just kind of, you know, launching as far and as high as they can, then just go find it. Well, that is not going to work at Palmasia. I've played there. I've played in the Gasparilla. This is a place that you, I mean, what is it? 6,300, 6,400 and everything is just tight and, tricky greens tell people about palmasia if they're going to play their first round there they've never seen the place what would they expect there if they start hitting it left they'll expect uh go reach in the bag and grab another one okay <laughs> i think it's the first six holes have out of bounds left and there's always there's always room right on the whole course and uh they have these trees i don't know what kind of trees they are maybe oak trees or pine trees and 
if you hit it in the right, you'll find yourself in the trees, but left is out of bounds normally. And you got to, you got to hit a palmacy of punch. We call it just palmacy punch of it punch. Back into the, okay. Punch it back into the fairway and try to make a par. But the greens are really tricky too. The complexes and there being a shorter course. I mean, if it was 7,000 yards, it would be impossible because the green complexes are so small and uh, so much going on. We like, we'll mess around sometimes and hit shots from like, 180, 190 in these greens, we realize how tough this course would be Interesting. <laughs> if it had length. Um, and just for the record, you're mentioning um, OB left on the first opening holes. Do you play a draw or do you play a cut? I play a draw. So you're, you play a draw on a golf course where uh, you grew up and the draw is basically death. So <laughs> has anyone base i mean how did that happen has anyone like tried to I, i'm you know obviously that might be a little surprising bill but they would think that when you started playing because of where you started playing you would automatically take left out of the out of the bag yeah i mean my grip's really strong it looks like i'm kind of driving a kawasaki or something <laughs> but uh so there's not much cut in me but okay. um i'll just start up the right a lot and just that's it maybe hope for a little push if I miss hit it or okay. just a, a good solid draw. I'm not I'm definitely not aiming up the fairway on every hole. I'm kind of hitting a sling. Okay. Slinger. All right. Love it. I, I play a draw too. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what I've done. Yes, as well. Oh yeah. That's what I've done as well. Just, you know, <laughs> flip it over and we'll be fine. Just pick up an extra few yards. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. We have, uh, had people on the podcast that have, been fortunate enough to play and find success at the Gasparilla Invitational. This is really one of the more popular mid-am and senior events uh, leading into the season. You know, again, benefiting from the weather in in South Florida. It's kind of a mid-February. Golf is important at that tournament, but there's also a big, massive social aspect of it. And, uh, you know, um, Gosh, uh, Nick Macario was just on the podcast. He's played it. Uh, oh man, I'm thinking about all the seniors that have been on the podcast. Yeah. Gene Elliott and Chip Lutz, and just it's it's a very popular event. Everyone you know escapes the cold, comes down to Florida, and uh, I believe you have at least a funny story or two of uh, being there during the tournament. So elaborate what it's like for a college kid or even a high school kid to be there during the Gasparilla. Yeah, I mean it's it's awesome just to take in. I mean that's the the best. I mean that course is always in good shape, but they take the greens from being ten and a half normally to eleven, twelve, and <laughs> stuff starts changing out there quickly. It seems to always get a little colder, and the wind starts kind of pumping through there when the tournament is. But it's a, I mean it is awesome the social aspect and just the the fans. And I mean there's four or five hundred maybe even a, i think it's just under a thousand people watching yeah. the last day i mean you don't get that unless you're at a usam or something like that and i mean that's that's incredible for especially for mid-am golf i mean <laughs> it's it really is a special tournament and they do a great job with it and <laughs> i wish i could play but i'm not 25 yet well, so <laughs> yeah well and and i know that as a as a college student um you know you probably don't have a lot of experience as to what it's like to go somewhere where there's free beer. Um, but do you think maybe the, the, the 
beer tents and the the food that they have scattered around the course, do you think that has anything to do with the fact that a lot of fans come out for an amateur tournament? I don't think it turns anyone away. There you go. Okay. Well, well said. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I've seen that. I've actually played in it once. I don't want to brag or anything, but I do at least have like a top 30 finish in my cut, one- cut made. I did make a cut at the Gasparilla. So it, you know, it's pretty impressive for a podcaster, but, um, what, uh, now you've, have you, you've caddied there, haven't you? Uh, yes, sir. I caddied for, uh, part of the alley stays with me, uh, uh, every year and I caddied from last year because it was snowing up in Mississippi and I came home to play some golf and my flight kept getting to push back day after day and uh, ended up getting on the bag for him and it didn't go well so I don't think I'll be invited back all right we had fun. okay so so Parziali <laughs> stays at your house for the Gasparilla yes sir when did okay this is fascinating because now we have we've, we've bridged the gap to another um, another former guest here at the back of the range, actually very recently, uh, we, I had him on the podcast cause I wanted to talk to him a little bit about uh, this freak injury he had and how he, he's come back from it. And actually he's having a good, <laughs> I think this was his first tournament back. Oh uh, yeah. I think it was too. So, um, how did you and your family get to know Parziali? Um, I met him at the Jones cup. My, I think the first year I played when I was a senior in high school, and it was just kind of like, hey, maybe we should we should play around before uh, before you come up because it was a year. I think it was a year he he'd won the mid am and he was going to play uh, everything that year. Yeah, and uh, he's playing all the tournaments, all the mid am tournaments too. And I was like, we should play a practice round. And we ended up playing with him and uh, Herbie Akins. I don't know if you know him. Uh, yeah, he's another mass yeah. guy. He runs with the Macario crowd and all of them. But <laughs> <laughs> I love the mass guys. Um. But we ended up playing, and then just became close. He came close to my family too, and uh, then after that, he stayed with me since. So you're on the bag for a guy like Parzi Alley. Um, you get to learn quite a bit from someone like him. Really, any of these elite midams, you know, especially just being around at a course like that, where you know, club selection, course management. I mean, that's that's something that when you're a young player that maybe isn't the first thing you learn. You learn how to hit, you know, how to, you know, work on the golf swing. You learn short game, but it, it seems like mental approach and course management is something that maybe doesn't get that much attention. You basically get to study from him while you're working for him. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. He's, he's helped me out a lot too with, he helped me out that week. I was kind of struggling a little bit and, um, he was like, go out there and just hit hit shots. Like, try to have fun with the sh- like, not have fun while you're out there, but hit shots that are interesting. Don't just try to hit a perfect straight shot. Like, maybe say I'm a hit a 15, 20 yard draw into this hole, <laughs> and kind of just free up your body and um, give yourself more excited to hit the golf shot. And it, it helped out a lot. Okay, so you're kind of so what he's kind of communicating to you is, um, you know we we as golfers get so bogged down into mechanics mm-hmm. and just thinking that every shot has to be perfect and every, you know, all your trajectory has to be perfect. He's basically saying go play golf shot instead of just golf swing. Yes, sir. And I guess it's interesting to come from a, a mid am because I mean, they're, they're out there. I mean, their sole purpose is having, having fun out there. Right. <laughs> if they're not trying to pay any bills or, win any college I mean, they want to win but it's, they don't have college pressure or 
professional pressure on them. So it kind of made me think about it and think, okay, like, I mean, all me and all the other college guys are playing for fun too, but there's that other added aspect, and uh, yeah, it kind of made made you figure that out that maybe you need to have some some fun with it if things aren't going good. Trying to not try to be a robot. Exactly. Well, it keeps the mind fresh, and and you know that's important. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot or get get anyone else in any trouble, but has anyone snuck you a beer at the at Gasparil Invitational in your history there? No, sir. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> Not sure I believe it, but good answer. Love it. Okay. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about Palmacy later on the episode, but uh, you know, you're at this time where you're playing, obviously you have a great high school golf career and, and playing junior tournaments and anyone at that level is going to get noticed by, by big D one programs. You know, when does, I guess the recruiting process happen for you? And then you know, when did Ole Miss come into the picture? Was that just where you wanted to go right off the bat, or was there other programs that you were looking at? How did kind of that process go for you? Um, yeah, I probably started talking to schools my maybe later in my freshman year of high school, and kind of looked close to home uh, at some of the schools here, and they didn't have much interest in me, so kind of moved on to the SEC schools, which that was my whole goal really was to play in the sec okay i mean i think that's the best the best conference out there and they all the schools do so much for the conference and the schools do so much for their athletes that it's hard to like you're going to get better playing at one of those schools and ended up uh looking at i think i visited auburn alabama and Ole miss and uh i just narrowed it down to Ole miss i like the campus the coaches i mean coach malloy's done incredible things helped out so much and um it was just a good fit you mentioned the campus um now this year has got to be i mean not just great success for you guys this fall but i'm guessing uh you're especially enjoying the campus environment now that uh you know we're kind of on the tail end hopefully of of covid where the campus is opened up again Anybody that knows anything about college football knows that uh, Ole Miss is the place for a tailgate and the place to just enjoy the college football experience. Ole Miss hasn't lost at home this year. He went 7-0. and So I'm guessing being on campus is a pretty good time right about now. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's it's fully fully open since COVID, and the Grove is, has thousands of people in there. Uh tens of thousands and it's it's an awesome game day environment I, i'd tell anyone on here to go check it out i mean it is especially if it's playing your teams uh you need to go there i mean it is an experience okay so uh typical day walk i've never been to a tailgate at Ole miss um you've never invited me so that's that's hurtful no i'm just kidding um so well, how, you're, what, you're invited now sweet got it we're gonna leave that in the episode so how um you know, walk me through a typical Saturday. I mean, does it start even earlier? I mean, there's got to be some prep on a Friday, right? I mean, give me give me the students' perspective of a Ole Miss football Saturday. Um, so let's say it's a two o'clock, two thirty game. Um, you go to the Grove about three or four hours early. Okay. Before the game, and that's so that's the area on campus where there's. Uh, it's like a bunch of trees, kind of like a little park, and people set up uh, tents everywhere. And it's, I mean, it's you got to look at pictures. You really have to be there to, right? Like, see see it. But I mean, there's people just red and blue, so so deep everywhere. I mean, can't can't move. 
and just people that have their chandeliers up in their tents and all their food out. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's really something. Okay. Um, you, you're obviously enjoying the college experience there and being able to obviously play a really tough SEC, uh, play in a really tough conference, uh, the, the SEC, you're playing, like you said, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, uh, you're really going up against the best. You're a senior now, and, and looking back on just the level of competition, there really are no off weeks or off tournaments. I mean, every tournament is a, is a strict test. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, you can't you can't really slack off too much, especially last year when we played every tournament was uh, SEC fields. I mean, that that was uh, it was competitive. I mean, you had thing like the number one player in the world there, and like the number three player in the world there every week. So you you just picked up your third win of your collegiate career uh, at the White Sands tournament in the Bahamas. So you are a senior at this point, and, and of course we're going to dive into the complexities of, of PGA Tour U and also having a COVID year that you could potentially use. But you know, as, you're, as we stand right now, you're ranked number eight in PGA Tour ranking. Uh, this is something that's fantastic for college golf. It provides, you, it provides seniors with basically a blueprint of, or, or you know, a very consistent way for them to look at where they stand and what is waiting for them after they get out of college. So as a lot of people know, the top five that finish in PGA Tour U uh, get Corn Ferry Tour status for the following year, and then six through 15 get either a Latin America card or a McKenzie Tour card. So the best 15 seniors of the college season are going to be guaranteed a place to play. That being said, you had a great fall season, not just you personally, but the team. I think uh, you could probably say this is your best fall season since you've been at Ole Miss. You guys um, picked up a, a you know third-place finish at the Blessings, Arkansas's home tournament. That's always a very strong field and a very challenging golf course. Um, you know, had some good performance at the SEC match play at Shoal Creek, and then the team uh, wins at White Sands along with you picking up the individual. All of that being said, what I'm kind of leading towards is you have to kind of think about what you're doing with the team, but also how everything applies to you personally. What has this fall season been like for you, kind of keeping both of those things uh, in your mind at the forefront? Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, to have a good team only only makes each player better. I mean, people say you're only as good as people around you, and, and we've been so competitive this year, and qualifying I mean, we had a, a freshman win all four qualifiers <laughs> damn right before the the first tournament so and we have some other players playing really well and it's just it's just an awesome environment and you got Ev- you got evan brown as a transfer so uh i mean how much fun is that guy on the team yeah he's been great he's been playing well too and um just adds another layer of depth to the team that, that we kind of need and He's been awesome. Obviously, you have some decisions to make uh, in the next few months. You do have the ability to come back for another year, which would mean you would forego the spot you have right now in PGA Tour U. Uh, I I don't think we're going to break any news on this episode of you telling me what your decision is going to be, whether or not this will be your final season Ole Miss or if you're going to come back. So uh, we're we're not going to push you into that decision right here and right now. 
but it is something that you have to weigh, and maybe that's something that listeners or people that follow college golf aren't aware of, that there is, you know, it it's there is a little bit of a complicated nature to it. Do you uh, do you kind of know what you're looking for before you make that decision? I'm still trying to figure out those questions I need to ask myself or kind of whether I want to stay another year or, or go. And still trying to figure all that out with my family and my coaches. But there's some there's things out there you gotta think about, things that I don't even I didn't even know you have to think about yet. Still trying to figure it all out. Cause I mean it's not just how you're playing. It's just, you know, do you I mean, do you wanna continue going to school? Do you want I mean there's all these different things. So it's it's kind of a complicated season for you right now. I mean, it's successful. I'm not trying to make it sound like, you know, oh my gosh, the world's crashing down, but it's <laughs> not just, I mean, this is not just like a junior or sophomore season for you. No, they're, they're both incredible options though. And so yeah. I know, I know I can't go, I can't make an awful decision. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's going to, it is what it is. Um, yes, sir. So I wanted to, you know, one of the things we were doing with this episode, which you're well aware of, a lot of people follow the back of the range on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, you and I chatted last week before we were going to do this conversation today. And I said, hey, what do you think? Why don't we open this up a little bit to people that, that follow and see if they have any questions for you? And we obviously did that. And a lot of questions came in and a lot of interesting ones came in. So we're going to kind of jump in and see what some of the people uh, uh, would wanted to ask you. And I guess the first one, we'll get this one right out of the way. Uh, we kind of knew this one was coming. Uh, people want to know what kind of clubs you're playing and what's in the bag. So before I let you answer that question, uh, you know, I haven't had a lot of that here at the back of the range just because, look, they're all, for the most part, I'm speaking to collegiate players, amateurs, and what you say right now may be different in a week or in a month or in a year. So uh, everyone, you know, take this with a grain of salt. This is what Jackson's currently playing. But not just telling you about the brand of clubs you're playing, I'd actually like you to walk through the setup of what your bag looks like and why you have it that way. You know, do you have a two iron? Do you have four wedges? Things like that. So you can give us the name brand, but can you also explain the setup of your bag and why you have it set up that way? Um, sure. We'll start. We'll go top down. Um, start. I have a TS3 driver and, um, I like I like the driver. That's I've used the same one for like three or four years. I used the old one, and then uh, TS two TSI two three wood, and then I go to two iron. I love uh, that U five hundred. I've been that's like my favorite club in the whole bag. I okay. love it off the tee. Just it goes straight and far, that <laughs> which works. is a, that's a good combo. <laughs> But uh, I like hitting that club. And then I go uh, T100 irons all the way through. And then I go 46 degree, 50, 50, or 46, 50, 56, 60 uh, Vokey wedges. And then I have a, a round back Scotty Cameron. Okay. So your title is through the bag. Um, yes, sir. And so you mentioned two iron is really strong and you go four wedges. Have you ever had really, I mean, has this been kind of consistent with your your setup for your for your amateur career or? Uh, uh, yes, for the most part, okay. on two iron, two iron, four iron. Gotcha, perfect. Um, 
some of your fellow SEC uh, colleagues have also chimed in, which I kind of knew was coming as well. <laughs> uh, our buddy and actually, uh, you know, former guest on the podcast, uh, Segundo Oliva Pinto from Arkansas. Oh, I know, I know. We, you know, I knew this would be good. I didn't know if it was going to be good for you, but I knew it was coming. So Segundo from Arkansas would like for you to talk about the rivalry between Ole Miss and Arkansas. Yeah, there was, a, there was a rivalry there for sure, and a friendship. I mean, we've we're kind of we've gotten close with all the guys, and Mister Tyson's been great with us, and he's kind of he's let us uh, stop and play the blessings before on the way to uh, Stillwater nice. to play regionals, and so we got to play with them, and uh, Coach McMakin and him had us out, and so we've got we've gotten to play plenty with them, and uh, we've had some some matches off the out of the tournament too with each other out of tournaments would have been fun who uh who won the last match between you and segundo um i don't know he, he had two putters in the bag uh, oh well we fi- i figured out on number seven when he started making 30 footers after after missing some five footers and he had a different one so <laughs> we'll leave that we'll leave that out there and see what he has to say how many so how many clubs did he have in the bag that day about 18 22 what was it um i think it's quince in spanish ah, 15 ah wow <laughs> this is a bilingual episode i didn't realize we were going to do all that um so 15 clubs in the bag um all right that's that's not we'll see if that hopefully that doesn't happen to him at like a real tournament that's not going to work he, he said he wasn't using this four iron though and I, I believe him uh-huh okay all right flexible <laughs> with the rules love it um we also have another question from an SEC guy, uh, Hunter Walcott from Tennessee. Haven't had him on the on the podcast yet, but I feel that 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 is, that day is coming. I don't yeah, know. How, you need to. I'm not sure. How, yeah, I'm not sure how much golf we're going to talk about. I think it's just going to be a a seminar on on facial hair strategy going into the postseason, <laughs> and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about golf. But uh, he's got plenty of plenty to talk about for that. Exactly. Yeah, that guy. Uh, there, there's a lot going on there. Um, he would like to know if anyone uh, in the SEC has taken you down on your home course, Palmasia. I feel that there's a story there that maybe you're going to need to get into that you're not going to want to get into, but I feel that there's something there. Okay, so me and him. I was, <laughs> That's awesome. You're like, all right, here. here's. I, I, was, I was nice enough to invite him out to play because he was in Tampa uh, uh-huh. visiting his brother, uh-huh. and we played match play. And I missed a, a three footer or four footer on the last hole to to beat him. So we ended up tying. Uh-huh. But he he said he beat me stroke play, which we weren't we weren't playing stroke play. He, right. he beat me by that. So I wasn't even keeping track of that. But that's his that's his claim to fame right now is <laughs> is uh, beating me in stroke play when we were playing match play. So let me see. Promise, yeah. So let me see if I get this straight. You got one guy that has fifteen clubs in the bag. You got another guy that changes the <laughs> rules of the match ha- at the very end to make it, you know, work out for him. Do you need honest people to play golf with? Because I, I, I could get. Yeah, you. I need to. I need to start bringing uh, Kyle from the FSGA around with me just to start calling penalties on people. They keep trying to pull all this stuff on me. You need a rules official with you. I understand. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. So speaking of Kyle, uh, Kyle DiGiacobbe, he's uh, director of. Uh, gosh, director of men's golf. Direct, he, he's he, he's got a business card at the FSGA. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> he he wants to know. Um, he he asked if you've had any opportunity to shoot around in the fifties out at Palmasia. 
any any chance you've you've broken sixty out there? Uh, yes, sir. I have shot fifty nine out there twice. All right, that sounds uh, <laughs> um, okay. Let's let's explain. Well, first of all, so it's par, is it par seventy one or yeah, seventy? It's it's par seventy and sixty three hundred. So oh. it's it's not it's gettable yeah yeah anyone can yeah that's that's nothing anyone can shoot 11 under out there um <laughs> sure okay yeah th- i think it's actually for people listening it's a little bit more impressive to do that than maybe just a bomb so you're you're just basically knocking down flags all day and just things are going great yes sending driver all day okay there's only there's only two holes out there i don't have driver on or actually three Three tee shots. I don't have a driver on, but I I heated I, I heated up quickly that day. And <laughs> had a, I had a good Friday nine and kind of put myself in a good position for the first one. Nice. Uh, Mike Smith plays a lot of FSGA stuff. He runs a uh, has a runs for college. Just it's a really a great program that preps uh, high school kids and juniors for their their college experience. He would like to know best college event you've played in and why. Um, I can't really narrow it down to one, but I mean, the Bahamas tournament we played last was awesome. And then, uh, BA's tournament in Cabo is always incredible. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the SEC championships always great. And Mr. Tyson's tournaments at blessings are always great. So there's a top four right there. That works. They just run well and the people behind them really care. And that's what, that's what means the means the most and makes a tournament is when the people run in a care and they put their all into it. Yeah. I think that's important that you, that you mentioned and state it that way. A lot of people focus on, you know, what type of golf courses you get to play and, and the competition you're going to find competition anywhere you go. And yes, there are great golf courses out there, but you know, just what you said, it's it makes a huge difference when you play a tournament where you're being taken care of and you know that not only the officials and the the people running the tournament but this doesn't get said enough you need to have the membership of the golf course excited to see college golf at their club is don't you you have to, you want you have to have people want to have you there right not not over giving up our course which they do have to sacrifice the course for a couple of days which yeah. is I mean, people don't like doing that, especially when they're paying lots of money to be have the privilege to play there. But when people are inviting and accepting and want you to be there, and they want to see young kids play golf. I mean, that means a lot. Um, another question that came up, and I love this one. This is uh, from Ty Boone. He's a he's a follower of the podcast. I believe he's he's got to be. I think he's a junior golfer. But um, I love this one. Give me a little bit of a difference or explain the difference in the um, in the setup of maybe golf courses or tournaments in high school versus college. Because, you know, we've got um, a lot of kids that play high school and maybe yeah. they're, they're, they don't know what to expect when they get to the next level. So, you know, what have you seen coming from very competitive high school golf experience to a very competitive college golf experience? It's not much of a, not much of a distance. Okay. Um, difference. I'd say it's more, the courses are, I mean, you start to play a little more competitive or uh, tougher courses when you get to college, just because, I mean, the tougher courses are normally the nicer ones. And people, I mean, as you get I me, mean, people 
like the PJ tour plays the best and nicest courses and hardest courses. And then it kind of trickles down to college and junior golf. I, I feel like, and so you just start to play tougher courses and then the pins are always, I mean, in junior golf, you might play most of the pins are six, seven paces off the green. When you get to college, you look at it, you don't see anything less than three or more than three or four paces off the side of the green. And you just have to play smarter and kind of learn to, you're not aiming at every single pin that you're, trying to kind of give yourself uh, chances at two-putt pars and maybe hope some birdies fall and tear up par fives. So you're learning more about course management and maybe having to be a little bit more mature and more conservative when you get to that level where obviously the pins are just, they're just, they're tucked. Yes, sir. One final question that came in from a former guest on the podcast, Angus Flanagan, who played at Minnesota. He's now moved on to the professional ranks, but he actually, he had like the first question in and it's uh, it's from something that happened at the Patriot all America, which is going to be your final tournament of 2021 out in Arizona. I need to ask you about that. I believe you're a runner up last year. Does that sound about right? Um, a couple years back, a couple years back. So talk to me, um, this was not a very well uh, crafted question, but something about a lucky chip that ricocheted off some bird shit. Is that, is that ring yeah. at all? Yeah, he didn't, there was no rules violation here. So I'll put that out there. Oh, was, okay. So, he, okay. He, perfect. He's actually, he's actually the only honest one. Out of the three. <laughs> <laughs> shots, shots fired. Um, but, uh, we were, it was a Patriot and I think it was like the last three holes. We weren't, we both weren't playing great. I think he's played a little better than me, but we were kind of in contention going into the day and hadn't played well. And we just were like, okay, let's have a match the last three holes and just get, have a little competitive fun. And on 17 there, he was left of the green and he chipped it. And there was like a huge, it was probably a foot high. And there was a huge piece of uh, uh, goose junk. And um, it knocked it and kicked it back online and went in. <laughs> Okay, but he he ended up saying, you know what? It's fine. We'll we'll call it a tie. <laughs> You're right. You know, Angus yeah. is a pretty honest guy. So yeah, yeah, we like Angus. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, talking about the Patriot, we're gonna get you out of here. This is uh really one of the um just a fantastic tournament that mm -hmm. uh, is held out in Arizona. It's it's really right up against uh you know New Year's Eve. And, you know, it's obviously much more than just the golf. It, it really is a, t a testament to their uh, devotion to honoring the armed forces. I have not been out to this tournament yet. It's definitely something on my radar for 2022. Um, talk to me, and you've, you've, as we just said, you've, you've played in it before. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about, uh, you know, they, and they're big supporters of the back of the range. Talk to me about what makes that tournament so special you know, we, we started this episode off with, you know, everyone's kind of dealing with a little bit of fatigue. Uh, you know, this is the time of year where you kind of shut it down. You just spend time with family during Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays. And you're kind of trying to get ramped up for the, the spring season because, you know, once you get back to school, it's all systems go. What makes this tournament so important for you that you would want to have that on your schedule? Um. I'm actually not playing it this year. I'm going to visit some family after Christmas up in uh, North Florida. But I've played it three times, and it's been an incredible experience every single time. And the people there that run it, the Golf Coach Association, the West Valley Mavericks, just everyone at the course, they want you to be there. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier, like it's just you, you feel wanted there, and they, they take you out to the Air Force Base, and you get to see these planes. And 
I mean, it's it's just an incredible feel. And um, there's stands normally on the 18th and 16th hole and 12th hole. I mean, there's probably 300 people out there watching. Yeah, I think they they sell these drink tickets that are unlimited drinks, and uh, <laughs> so they get a lot of spectators for that uh, out there. I think, I think, but it's cool. Are, that, it's like a sister. It's like a sister tournament with the Gasparilla. Do they like read the the playbook from the Gasparilla? Basically, nice. And they got m- music blaring on the 18th hole while you're putting. I mean, it's it's just a really cool feel, and it's it's like a waste management feel. That's nice. kind of what they shoot for. Nice. I'll get you. I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, you know, not playing uh, Patriot, but uh, you know, really kind of one of the unique starts to a spring season. It isn't even a college event. It's uh, it's the Jones Cup at Sea at Sea Island, Ocean Forest. You know, my first experience there last year. I think that's when you and I first start, started. Uh, you know, I first first started seeing you quite a bit, and then we all know about the weather that you get at Ocean Forest, where. Uh, most people would think, oh my gosh, it's going to be gorgeous weather. People that are watching the RSM just saw some fantastic weather. Well, you know, Jones Cup, we're, we're, we're probably going to get a day of, of miserable weather. But uh, talk to me a little bit about um, how much you're looking forward to going back to uh, Toshin Forest. Yeah, I mean, that, that course is awesome. And that's a tournament where the, the staff and the members really want you there. And I mean, it is, I mean, that's one of the, the most elite amateur events out there. And you always get the best players. And, and you really got to have three solid days to win out there. And um, they, just, they do a great job, and the weather is always challenging. It just it brings out the best the best player by the end of the week. Well, I will definitely um, I'll definitely be looking forward to seeing you there. And uh, you know, go enjoy uh, go enjoy the rest of the year. Time yes, with family, sir. friends, trying to get yourself uh, lined up for a successful spring. And uh, glad we got to do this. Appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. And uh, mm-hmm. happy holidays. Thank you. And there you have it. Special thanks to Jackson Suber for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.